head of the serpent. You are our bright and morning star. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of his peace and of his government, there shall be no end. You are a king, and we acknowledge that your coming brought the coming of a kingdom, and that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your kingdom has arrived. And so we ask, O king, that your kingdom come and that your will would be done in each one of our earthen vessels in the same way that it's done in heaven. Make us, your people, the instruments of your will in our generation. In the name of Jesus. Now say this with me. Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me, I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us online. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here with us to experience the increase, experiencing increase through faith. This is an amazing series, and uh, we are excited about your presence and your partnership in this. Please take the time. There's information there. It's available to you about how you can connect to all of our social media venues and that uh, that information is there. So please take the time um, that it takes to like, to share, um, to post, and do all of those things that will help us to help other people experience the increase of destiny. This is a dynamic conversation, and we want you to be we inviting you into a conversation that we are having in our church about how to really impact um, the next and future generations with the faith of what God is doing in our own lives. And so we encourage you to be a part of that as well. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So um, we, we've been talking about experiencing um, increase through faith, and we're talking about having faith in the destiny of next and future generations, having faith in the destiny of next and new generations. Remember, we've talked about destiny, and we, you see it there um, to my left and to your right, that destiny is the undeniable truth that God has an amazing plan for your life hidden inside of himself and placed in seed form inside of you. And what we're telling you is to believe that there is some young person who has, God has an amazing plan for their lives. 
It's inside of God, and they themselves are the seed form. They're not fully yet ripe. They're not fully yet ready. They're not yet fully mature. But if we can protect them, if we can nurture them, if we can usher them, if we can provide for them, then they can do something amazing in their generation that changes the world. All right? So we're going we're gonna to learn some things about that today. Right. We talked about it last week. We talked about that some of the things when you when you have that mind, kind of mindset, you got to think longer term because you may not be here to experience the outcome. You got to be flexible because you have a vision for them, but it may not come out the way that you envisioned it. We talked about the fact that you can't presuppose which one has the greatest greatness because you can bet on the wrong horse. We talked about the fact that um, if people were looking at Jesus and John from their family background, John was the one that was, his parents were in the church. They were professional preachers. He could trace his lineage all the way back to Moses and Aaron, right? Jesus could trace his lineage back to David, but David's, family weren't doing nothing great. So that was 14 generations ago. By the time Jesus got on the scene, nobody even cared if you was David's family. All right? So if you was looking at it just on the basis of background, you might have said that Jesus could be the forerunner for John and not John be the forerunner for Jesus because you can't, sometimes you bet on the wrong horse. You believe that this is the one that's got it because they got all of the background and the family and the credentials and you flat out wrong. Okay? And so we wanted to be careful about that. Now, there's one scripture. We, last week, we went through Matthew 18, 1 through 14. If you are not here, please take the time to listen to that and watch that uh, YouTube um, video or go out to our Facebook page because I dropped some heavy knowledge last week from Matthew 18, right? So I can't do that because I got some place I want to get to today. But I'm going to give you one verse out of Matthew chapter 18, and that's Matthew chapter 18, verse 5. This is Jesus speaking. If this was a red letter Bible, these words would be in red. And then Jesus makes this statement, whoever receives one little child like this in my name, this is Jesus speaking, receives me. Jesus is telling us whoever receives a little child in his name is just like you are receiving Jesus. Christian, would you come here for me? I need you to help me preach this. Come on, come on. Help me preach this. Because this is what Jesus did. Now, um, the apostles were jockeying for who was the biggest. Come on up here. I need you to be on the screen. They need to see you, all right? Wave, wave at the camera. Okay. Because I want them to see you too. They can't just see me. They got to see you. Because the apostles... These are the 12 men that Jesus was going to entrust his plan for the planet into after he went back to heaven. And they were trying to figure out among the 12 who was going to be in the driver's seat. And then Jesus brings a little child in the midst of them. 
And it had to be a child about this size or smaller because the scripture says, one scripture says he picked him up in his arms. So he couldn't have been some big grown kid like Frank II. It couldn't be some big brother, you know, which, you know, that wears shoes like you do and eat twice as much as you do. It had to be one of these little, one of these little ones. So Jesus calls the person, calls the child. The scripture says that means the child could walk up like to Jesus, just like I called Christian. Christian knew out of everybody in the room, he knew it was, I was talking to not none of them. I was talking to him. That child came up when Jesus called them. The scripture says he picked him up in his arm and started talking to the apostle. I'm not going to pick him up. Haven't been doing all my push-ups and sit-ups, so I'm not going to do that. But he said, and he said several things. He said, first of all, he said, if you, he said that if you aren't even, um, if you aren't even converted to become like this child, you're not in the driver's seat, you might not even get in the door. He said, if you're not converted and become like one of these children, you might not even get in the kingdom, let alone you trying to be the driver of it. Okay. I went back and I did a, I did a, um, a search on that word converted. Cause I just, listen, if Jesus said, I can't get in, if I don't do this, then I want to know exactly what that is. Whatever that is, I want to figure out what that is. Cause whatever it needs to be, I want to make sure I done done it. And, um, if it was today, he would have just used that, you know, that word that we do when we doing a cha-cha shuffle. Reverse. That's literally what the word means. Whatever direction you were going in, it literally means to reverse. So there is a mindset that comes with being an adult, and he's saying, if you're going to get into the kingdom, you're going to have to reverse it. And I have to be able to take on the wonder of a child. Then he makes a second statement. His second statement is that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you must adopt the humility of a child. Check your credentials, your pride, and your attitude at the door. If you're going to be great, you must have the humility of a child. Um, I thought it was interesting when I did my study to find out that the scriptures does not tell us whether it was a little boy or a little girl. The same word, remember J. Iris, whose daughter was sick and died? The same word that was brought for this little child is is in that scripture called a damsel, cause, so it could have been a girl. What, what, Pastor Dave, why are you telling me this? Because I got to receive little girls as if they Jesus too, not just the little boys. All right? I also learned that um, not only in the other accounts of this, in Mark chapter 9, verse 37, and Luke chapter 9, verse 48, that Jesus said, not only do you receive a child as if you receive Jesus, if you receive it like Jesus, then you receive 
you receive that child like you receive the father. So God the Father and God the Son are grading you on how you treat children. And that passage of scripture told us that the angels that follow them will tell the father on you if you mistreat them. And he said, if you offend one of these kids, this child is believing in me and you do something to this child that makes them not want to come to church or believe in Jesus, he said, that is a, that's an offense that is punishable by hell. I don't believe that. Well, go back and listen to my YouTube. I, I read the scriptures. All right. And he said, in that same scripture, offenses are going to come. Stuff's going to happen. Somebody's going to mess with them or do something that hurts their feelings to the point. He said, but it's going to be bad for that person. And he said, check yourself, make sure that there isn't something in your life that's going to hold them back from Jesus. And whatever that thing is, cut it off so the rest of you can go to heaven and not go to hell with that thing on your life. Ooh. And then he told me as a pastor that if I know that one of you messed with one of them kids and then the kids went out, I'm supposed to leave y'all and go out and find the kid. Because which of you, having 100 sheep, finding one that's straying, does not leave the 99 and go to that one? And then he said, I'm talking about not you adults, I'm talking about the children. So over 2019, because he told me, I'm, I'm responsible as a shepherd to make sure that you don't do something that offends the children. Now, I don't, you ask me right now, I don't know what all that means, but I'm gonna spend enough time in prayer. And when he come for me, I'm coming for you. All right, give Christian a hand as he goes back to his seat. Hallelujah. As he goes back to his seat. <laughs> All right. I gave you a key statement. I gave you a key statement um, last week. And I said, when you have a problem, God has a baby. But you must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. You got to see that the children that God sends are answers to the problems you may be having. Moses was an answer to the slavery issue that the children of Israel were facing. Jesus was an answer to the sin issue that the whole world was facing. And so you had a problem, God has a baby, but you must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. Moses' parents delivered him from Pharaoh so that he could rise up and deliver them from Pharaoh. Amen. Jesus' parents delivered them from Herod so he could rise up and deliver them from Herod. And so we have to recognize that there might be the answer to your prayer in the crib. I'm just saying. All right.
Now I got um, a couple definitions here. We have pillar definitions for our vision. What is a pillar? Like in this church, we have two pillars. If those came down, the ceiling would crash in. So the two things that I'm talking about, one is leadership and the other one is stewardship. These are pillars to this church. If, if these things fall in, then the vision won't work. Okay, so what is leadership? What's the kind of leadership that will help the vision of Destiny Generation go forth? It is when each and every one of us lives a life of vision from God, value to others, and velocity of good works in your generation. Velocity is speed. It's a distance over time. So first of all, the vision that we're talking about now is a vision of impacting the next and future generation. We're talking about as a church community being of value to those young people and then putting together a velocity going over a certain distance in a certain amount of time of good works so that that generation is prepared when we're no longer on the scene. Okay? So that's leadership. And we want to do that. So I want to make sure, I got to ask God some questions. And listen, I'm asking, I'm not telling you I got all the answers. I'm telling you I'm asking all the questions. The question that I'm asking is, Lord, do I have the right vision for the young people that you want to touch through this ministry? Have we provided enough value to them? And what velocity or speed of good works do we need to do over the course of 2019 to impact their lives? Somebody say amen if you got that. All right, let's look at the next definition. That was the definition of leadership. Um, Minister Eva, Minister Eva did something there um, when she was ministering, when she dealt with stewardship. I've been dealing with it in Men of Destiny. Stewardship is another thing that is, uh, is, is undergirds the ministry. So let's look at stewardship. Stewardship is an acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us belong to God. So I have a resource that's entrusted to me, but it's not mine. It's God's. And God has given it to me, and I must answer to him, and I want to be faithful in the accounting. God you showed me that you had given young people like Christian as a relational and spiritual resource of this ministry. And I want to be able to say at the end of 2019 that I took every day and did something to be faithful to the young people that are in this ministry. Say amen. Okay, so, um, so now... That's the core pieces, and I have, uh, I have one list at the end, but really I'm just going to go through the Christmas story and see how young people, how, how um, their parents, their church, and their community joined together to receive Jesus. There were people that were his parents. There was extended family members. Because Zacharias and Elizabeth were family, but they were, they were extended family. There was a church community. And the church community included spiritual leaders, but also it included lay leadership as well. Okay? 
And the lay people were better than the professional preachers. There was even people from the business community that received Jesus. As a kid in the neighborhood, he wasn't, to them, when, they, when the shepherds came to Bethlehem, he wasn't at church and they wasn't either. They was out on their business. Not only that, but um, there was some businessmen, actually these were government leaders with their army, came through enemy territory to bring wealth to Jesus that was his. So we're going to just walk through that, and then I have one list which will just introduce from next week. Okay, so, so we've studied already extensively. We've studied about Mary, haven't we? Okay, we've talked about her, um, but there's one thing we want to give some specific detail about how she responded to the Lord, but I just want you to remember we've already talked about Mary as his mother and how she responded. We'll, we'll give you one little detail, and then we'll talk about Joseph. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and his and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his, and of his kingdom there will be no end. All right, so Mary's revelation, the mother's revelation was of Jesus' royalty. He's going to have a throne from his father David. He's going to rule and reign. That was the insight that mama gave to Jesus. Let's look at the insight daddy had. They're different. They're not the same. And I'm trying to give you insight because sometimes parents aren't working together because they see the picture differently. Parent, you got one thing, but your spouse got another thing. Both things are needed. All right, so let's look at it. In Matthew chapter 1, we're going to read verse 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. And after, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, that means she was his fiance, but they hadn't come together. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make a public example was minded to put her away secretly. Stop there. He wasn't hard and harsh as a daddy. Men, some of y'all too rough when it's time to be sensitive. He was a just man, not hard or harsh, because he could have took her out. He could have dragged her out publicly and had her stoned. All right? Now, verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he could be interrupted with spiritual information. Right? Appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your, 
to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary had insight on his royalty. Jesus, um, Joseph had insight on his redemption. Both of them are parts of Jesus. They were, both of those are aspects of who Jesus is and the ministry that God gave him. But their insights were different. Right? Mama, stop asking daddy to be like you. Daddy, stop asking mama to be like you. Both of you have something to give to the child. But in this scripture, it's really important because I've already dealt with Mary's believing God, right? We've already dealt with that. Dad, don't be so harsh or so quick to do something to the point that God can't interrupt you and tell you something special about what's happening in your home that you might not know. Okay. Where was I? Put me back on the screen with the scripture, the next scripture. All right, so I'm at verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her, did not know her, did not have intimate relations with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. All right. So he was not harsh. He could be interrupted. He had a different insight. Um, and he was willing to assume the stepfather role of a blended family. He was a stepfather. It was a blended family. He assumed the role. And he had to be okay that his stepson was going to outrun his sons. He had to be okay that he was doing something for God with his stepson that will even eclipse what would happen with his own natural sons. I'm talking about expanding your mind relative to destiny in the next generation. All right? Now, let's talk about the extended family, Zacharias and Elizabeth. We've talked about Zacharias in detail, but let's, let's just talk about Elizabeth for a second. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, 39 through 43. And it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came... And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped into her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Listen, she recognized that the babe now, she was already showing Mary wasn't because she had just been conceived. 
but she recognized I'm the now she is the church mother. She is the first lady. Because her husband, right, was the one who had went in the temple. She is the first lady of the church. And first lady said that the mother of my Lord is coming in. She recognized. Now, see, listen, we in church. Now, sometimes people get competitive because they think my child better than your child. Not only that, she big cousin, this little cousin. We go to family reunion, you know, everybody want to, my son is this, my son is that. And, you know, we family, but they still be a little bit of competitive jealousy. But, but Elizabeth had enough wherewithal to understand that her part in God's plan and the part of her son that God had to be the one that was entrusted with the plan of destiny. If the favor of God was on her, we just want what God wants. So she had to have enough maturity to get her feelings out the way. Stop comparing my child with your child. Okay. Now let's go back to Zacharias. Um, let's look at Zachariah, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 76 and 77. Now, Zacharias now is prophesying over his son who has now been born, who is John the Baptist. And he says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. So the father helped his son to understand his place in God's plan. He had to be able to, right? So when we think about it, don't just think about your children. There might be some children in your extended family that he wants you to do, and they might outrun your kids, and you need to be okay with it if it's God's plan. Because he that received that child in the name of Jesus, Jesus said, receives me. All right? This is some good preaching, isn't it? Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 38. Now we're going to see when Jesus is being born and them taking him to church on time. I ain't looking at nobody. But Pastor Bus, she don't got no kids. So I'm, I'm looking at her so nobody can say I'm singling him out. All her kids are grown and gone. But she got the child, they got the children there to church on time. And them doing certain things on time was critical to the destiny of the child. If they got him to be circumcised and they went on the ninth day instead of the eighth day, the whole plan of God falls apart. And Jesus could not circumcise himself. The parents had to be accountable to do the thing that needed to be done and to do it on time. Verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, 
his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written. They had to fulfill the scriptural requirements for Jesus. If they decided to stay home, the whole plan of God falls apart. Because Jesus had to be sinless, and he couldn't keep himself from sinning. They had to keep him from sinning. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So they not only had to bring him, but they had to bring an offering with him. All right. Every, all the preacher wants your money. It's your Bible. Verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ so he came by the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said Lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined, 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 destiny, destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem. All right. So now we see the place of the church mother and the church father, not the person who's up front running the church, but the person that's in the pew who through their prayer and intercessory meeting are birthing what God wants to do next. Now, um, we have language in church. Anybody ever heard the term church mother? You know that that's, that doesn't mean that we call her mother so-and-so. That don't mean that she's just a mama. That means she has spiritual weight. And that spiritual weight is exercised through prayer and intercession and through prophetic insight. They see things on the lives and the hearts of those children. We don't even have a term for somebody like Simeon. There's no such thing that we know of today of somebody who is not in some official church leadership that's a man that does what Simeon did because Simeon prayed, the, prayed in and ushered in as a male intercessor, a fatherly male intercessor, the move of God that was going to come. 
and he would not die until that move got birthed. He was just, but he was more spiritually mature than Joseph was because Joseph was known as just, but this scripture says that Simeon was devout. Oh, to God that through the men of destiny prayer, I would birth a generation of men who knew how to pray in the move of God. That's why this prayer time is serious to me. When you AWOL, I'm coming looking because I need a generation of men who know how to pray. The church moves when men know how to pray. So when we look at elderly adults today, why don't we have more Simeons and Annas? I'm going to tell you why. There are some elderly saints that are, number one, struggling for their own existence. They're just trying to make ends meet. Right? They're just hoping that their pension don't run out before their life do. They're just trying to make ends meet. And that consumes all of their mind. But she gave herself to fastings and praying. Didn't say she had a lot of money, didn't say he was rich, but they were still committed to the plan of God. The second thing is, some of those people, instead of taking the back seat, are trying to be up front and running the things when they have run past their prime. And they can't run fast enough or hard enough to do what needs to be done when they're supposed to be back praying and interceding the people that are leading. That's number two. Number three, some of them have reached a point in their life and have the money that they need to contribute to others, but they just enjoying their retirement years with their good money. When they look out for the church, they just want to know what the church can do for them, not what they can do for the church. Their goal is maximum convenience, not maximum contribution. I've earned, I've saved, it's time for me to travel. They have whole communities that you got to be a certain age. They don't even want kids in there. Am I telling the truth? You can't, you can't, they be like, listen, he's staying too long. That's, is that your grandson? He can't live up in here. Their whole goal is just their own convenience, not contribution. We can't receive children like Jesus if all we're concerned about is how, how it affects us. For the, take, for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize the rest. Go back and look, look at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, and what you'll find is that the shepherds were just community, they were believing businessmen. Now we're talking about receiving Jesus in your community. Because with everything we do in church, the person who God uses may not be in the church. 
They may be in your neighborhood. They may be in the community. These shepherds were out, they, they were out in the field. They were in an open field. Now, shepherds normally didn't put sheep in open fields. They put sheep in a pen. They built up a hedge around them, and then they set, laid across the gap in the door. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep. Anybody climbs up any other way is thief and robbers. He prayed, sought a man among them that will build up a hedge and stand in the gap. That's what shepherds did. They were only in the open field at the time that the pregnant sheep was giving birth to lambs. And they left the lambs that they were giving birth to to see the lamb that God was giving birth to. Bam. Now, that was the shepherds. But there were professional preachers who wouldn't leave Jerusalem when they told Herod on demand where the Christ child would be born, they wouldn't get off of their blessed assurance, get out of the church, leave the 99, and go see the one lamb that was being born in a manger. By that time, he was in a house in Bethlehem, but they would not leave and go see that one child. And they were the professional preachers but the believing businessmen were more sensitive to the move of God than the professional preachers. See, that's the stuff that wakes Pastor David up at night. You, you want to know the truth? That's the stuff. I don't want somebody on the outside to have more God than I got God up in here. But not only were were the believing businessmen better than the professional preachers, there were pagan politicians. The magi were not magicians. Stop that. Do your homework. Stop it. And there weren't three of them. There were three gifts. Get your Christmas card hallmark picture wearing <laughs> and take that stuff and get rid of it throw it away there were pagan politicians so let me give you a history lesson they were from the persian empire the persian empire and the roman empire were warring empires Judea was a buffer state between these two empires. These Persian politicians had the original wealth that Nebuchadnezzar had stolen out of Solomon's temple. They were bringing back the gold from the temple in God's house. They were bringing it back to the original owner. It was his. It was the temple that his father Solomon and David had put there. It was his. It was his house. It was his father's house. They had taken it from him. And God was using these pagan politicians who traveled 460 plus miles into enemy territory with an army to the capital city. Imagine, imagine if you will, if a Russian army 
rolled up into Washington, D.C. and told President Donald J. Trump that the real president is, a, is being born right now. What would Don do? Herod was just as egotistical and arrogant as our current president is. Yes, you can quote me on that. And so he sent out to kill him because fake leadership hates real leadership when it's born. Poof. Yep, you can quote me on that too. These pagan politicians and those believing business people were better than the professional preachers at receiving the child Jesus. All of us got to be careful that we're prepared to serve God in our generation and serve God's purpose. Don't listen, listen. It's okay if the children outrun you. Minister, uh, media team, do you have the picture that I asked you to put for me, put together for me? Show the picture. <laughs> this, this picture was of Minister Leo Robinson, the man there, um, not the one holding the mic, but the one with the cross is my father. And the caption says, never underestimate the power of Christmas speeches. Now, Minister Leo ministered in our church recently. You have a picture of that? My, I love that picture because my dad helped his destiny. I told him recently, I said, you preached a message your father couldn't preach. It was an amazing message. I said, I said, there are few people that could say to the church of God the things you said and nobody run them out the room. I said, your daddy couldn't even have done that. See, I have to understand when it's destiny, I got to be okay that there's a generation that's going to go further than I can go. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure they get there. All right. I want you to be careful that you're ready. See, I, I had to I had to slow down when I'm, you know, sometimes I'll run past Christian, want to spend some time with me, want to talk to me. And the Lord say, pump the brakes, bro. I'm grading you. Some little kid in the community you ain't got time for. That may be Jesus you throwing out. Eight leaderships or stewardship moves for your destiny generation. Don't worry if you don't get this down. This is where I'm going to start next week. I'm going to end here today. I'm going to start here next week. Take your pictures, but I'm moving fast because we'll go through this in detail next Sunday. Number one, believe God for the destiny of the next and future generations inside your family, inside your church, and inside your community. I want to believe God that God wants to do something great with the Christians and the Bobbies and the Malachi's. I want to on purpose believe that for those that's in my family, number one, in my church, 
number two, and in my community that may not even be coming to the walls of my church right now, number three. Number two, pray for the destiny. Pray for the destiny of your next and future generations and believe that your prayers will live beyond your lifetime. Pray for stuff you won't be around to see come to pass. Number three, allow God to speak to you about the destiny of the next and future generations. Mary and Joseph had to have an ear to hear. Zacharias and Elizabeth, the shepherds had to have an ear to hear. The wise men had to have an ear to hear what God was saying to them. They all of them outheard the professional preachers who should have been, who are the people that are paid to hear what God is saying. Right? Number four, intentionally build kingdom community for the purpose of fulfilling the destiny of the next and future generations. That's what we are intending to do as Destiny Generation Church in 2019. I'm asking God how to revamp the ministry, revamp the youth, all the way up to the young adults, all the way down to the babies. How are we going to minister to them to make sure that we're prepared to receive Jesus in them? And we're going to be intentional about that over the next year. Number five, make faith-based preparation, protections, partnerships, and provisions for the next and future generation. Make some preparation. If we believe God's going to do something great with them, then let's prepare like there's something great going to be done. Real faith believes to the point of preparation. Noah believed that it was going to rain, so he prepared an ark. Right? So that's preparation. Protections. Joseph had to wake up in the middle of the night and get his family out of Dodge. You understand that? Get out of Dodge. He had to protect the child. Or if he had overslept that day, anybody ever had God wake you up in the middle of the night and you say, I'm going to get up and write it down in the morning and in the morning it's gone? If Joseph had said, I'm going to wait till the morning, Jesus would have been dead. So we got to be real serious about this. Partnerships. She had to partner, Mary and Joseph had to partner with Joseph, excuse me, Mary and Joseph had to partner with with Zacharias and Elizabeth, with the wise men, with the shepherds, with Simeon and with Anna. They needed all of those partnerships for this thing to be done and provisions. Listen, if we sow and give God what we can for these young people, I believe if he have to raise up money from an enemy country to bring it into destiny generation to do what we can, if we do what we can, God will do what we can. So I'm going to ask you for money. Yep, I'm coming for your money in 2019. Yep, I'm coming for your money. I'm telling you now, so don't get mad. But I ain't coming for your money for me. I'm saying we're going to sow and make investment into our next generation. Number six, faith talks about tomorrow like it was yesterday. Live the future in the present tense. Jesus was born king. He was born king of the Jews. They said he was born king. 
He's already king. He may not be on the throne, but he's already king. He's the real king, and the illegitimate one was sitting on a throne named Herod. So we need to, listen, I told you my example that when Minister John was young, I would tell him over and over again, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. I was calling to the man when it was still a boy. Faith talks about your tomorrow like it was yesterday. Number seven, recognize the power of speaking the blessing over next and future generations. Notice they said certain things about Jesus. They said certain things. Angels said certain things. Wise men said certain things. Shepherds said certain things. Mary said certain things. Elizabeth and Zacharias said certain things. Even a professional preacher said certain things where he was going to be born. Everybody said the right thing. Make sure you're not cursing your kids with your mouth. Speak blessing. Finally, finally, number eight, make kingdom, kindred, corporate, and customized moves for the destiny of the next and future generations. I'm going to break this down next week, but kingdom moves says that there is something that we're going to do for every child. Because the kingdom can't discriminate between this child and that child. But then some things God is working in families. Kindred move says, I got to recognize the move of God on the children. Now look, the move of God on Jesus was different than the move of God on John. They were in the same family though. But they still had different things. And... The move of God on John was different than the moves of God on Zacharias and on his foreparents. He didn't need, Zacharias didn't need um, John in the temple learning how to wave incense. That's not going to be his ministry. He didn't need him to know how to sacrifice offerings. That's all of the stuff he had to learn, but he had to recognize that God's plan for his son was different than God's plan for him. Stop trying to make your children live out your dream. Putting them in tight dresses you can't wear so they can go to the prom because you couldn't. We're going to make corporate moves. Corporate moves speaks of that, that we as a corporate body, as a, as a church body, are going to make moves for our children. I, I, I'm, I'm still grappling with what um, Bishop Granham said when he said that they had each room utilized to do something different for children. I've, I've been struggling. I've been praying and saying, God, what do you want me to do? I, I don't have everything, but at least... I got rooms in this facility. I need each room doing something. I'm asking them. We're going to make some corporate moves. And then that's, that's, that's general, but specific to each child. We're going to see God and ask God, what's the customized move for that child? This is some heavy stuff. I could have had a little light, you know, Santa Claus coming to town message. I could have done that, but this is, this is more serious than that, isn't it? This is, this is destiny. 
There's a child in your community that may be the answer to the water crisis in Flint. Simeon knew that, that there was a child that was going to solve all of the issues of the whole nation of Israel. Who knows what's in your community? You won't know until you start praying. I'm challenging you. Look, I want you to look at every young child differently than you've been looking at them now. I want you to slow down and wonder as if that child is Jesus Christ himself in child form, in a seed form, standing in front of you. How would you treat if you knew that little child, that little crumb snatcher that was getting on your nerves was Jesus, the one that's pulling on your, on your pant leg, that's getting you bothered because you want to do something else. I want you to wonder, what if that was Jesus grabbing my leg? I want you to make some real commitments. We as a church, we're going to do something. I don't believe all the answers come from me. And, in, you know, the pre professional preachers didn't have all the answers. I believe that we as a community will rise up and have answers. And if, we, if God can trust us with the children, he'll send every resource that we need to fulfill every other part of the vision of Destiny Generation Church. Will you believe that with me? Come on, let's stand. Did this Christmas message change your life? I'm not going to ask you, did it bless you? I'm going to ask you, did it change your life? I don't know about you, but for me preaching it, this has already changed my life. But somehow I can hear Jesus in heaven saying, we'll see. We'll see. Did it really change your life? We'll see. God, I'm determined that by the leadership conference next, next year, you will see that this thing changed my life. I want the bishops to come back and say, here's what I did since the last time you was here. See all these young people? See this ministry here? All of this happened. See all of these people that you laid hands on and they got through the foundations class? This is what this one is doing. This is what that one's doing. This is the stuff we reorganized in our ministry to make sure that we could receive Jesus in a child form and receive him in the name of Jesus. Close your eyes. I told you what the Lord was sharing to me and to us as a corporate body. But just turn inward. Pause for station identification. Tell God you're open to him speaking to you about the children. Tell them that you're open for a vision or a dream. That you can have an angel come by and talk to you. You can get me up in the middle of the night. I'll be prepared. I'll have my journal by my bed. I'll have my phone ready to record. If I have to, I will rouse myself out of my sleep to hear what you have to tell me about some child. Not only 
Will we think about the little children, but we'll think about our teenagers and our young adults. We're not going to offend. We'll leave the 99 and go find that one. We'll do what God says about these young people. Father, I'm determined that you will count Destiny Generation Church faithful in our ministry to young people. I'm asking you to move on their lives through us in Jesus' name. Do that in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, God has an amazing plan for each and every one of us. He put his plan together before the world began, before any thought, habit, mistake, or misfortune overtook our lives. So often, we try to get our acts together and then come to the Lord. The reality is, is on our own, we can't get our acts together. That's why we all have to come to the Lord. So while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, believers are praying, if you'd like to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life so that you can benefit from the amazing plan that God has for you, love to be the man of God that leads you through that. You just have to ask him, because Jesus is no longer sweet baby Jesus. I know people call him out, sweet baby Jesus. He's no longer baby, but we can receive babies on his behalf. He's now the risen savior of the world. If you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and savior, would you raise your hand? Let me know that, and I'll pray you through a prayer of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. My second appeal is this. Maybe you're a believer, but you've allowed hurts, hindrances, or habits to get in the way. Sometimes they call it rededicating or doing your first works over again. You just know that there's some static between you and heaven. And Jesus came to bring glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I want to make sure that anything that would separate you from God in terms of things that were, have gotten in the way, that you get that cleared up. If that's you, you know, then I want you to lift your hands. The second part of this appeal is maybe the Lord really pricked your heart in the word and you're raising your hand as a sign that I am committed to, to being open, to being used by you to advance, to believe and advance the destiny of the next and future generations. If that's you, raise your hand. Let me see your hands. All right, keep your hand, hold your hand up if that's you. I'm God, I see you moving on me and I'm believing you to do something, All right? I, I want your hand up because I want you to mark this moment that God, I am signing up because if you sign up for this, when he comes for you and tells you to do something, even if it costs you time, even if it costs you money, even if it costs you inconvenience, even if it costs you getting your car dirty and all of that stuff that you was keeping, you know, with your furniture, with the plastic on it that nobody can sit on, but they would sweat if they did anyway. Any of that stuff, when he tells you to do stuff, I'm expecting that you're going to be obedient to what he's telling you. All right, you can put your hand down. The third is, third appeal, is you're a believer, but that infilling empowerment, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that you lack and that you believe in God to flow in your life. The scripture told us today, we saw 
that Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit to give birth to Jesus. We saw that Elizabeth was the one who was, um, when, when Mary came into her house, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. John was filled at that moment in her womb. When Zacharias wrote the name of Jesus being his, excuse wrote the name John, the scripture says his mouth was open and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We also discern from scripture that Simeon was full of the Holy Spirit and by implication, Anna was as well. You can't do real spirit-filled ministry and prophesy and impact the future without the divine leading and presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's you. I want that because I want God to speak to me about young people and give me a fresh, maybe, maybe I have, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but I want a fresh touch with insight into young people that I haven't had before in my life. That's you. Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand on this one because I need God to touch me specially in a special way to give me a special touch of the Holy Spirit to see into the future of young people and to be able to pray into their life the thing that God wants to birth for them. Amen. You may put your hand down. Then finally, 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 we thank God for each and every visitor in the place. One of the things that God has instructed me to do is to make the appeal. I would love to be your man of God. I would love to be a person who talks you through the destiny challenges of your life, to be the coach that allows you to understand ancient truths faithfully translated. Classical truth in a contemporary translation. I want you to know things that God holds sacred from the word of God in an everyday language that you can go out and act upon today. If you'd like to get information about membership and destiny generation, would you show me that by raising your hand in Jesus' name? All right. Now we're going to all pray together and then I'll address our watching audience on, on the broadcast. Come on, everyone, let's pray together. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead just for me. Thank you for receiving me into your royal family. Heavenly Father, you told me through Jesus that if I ask you, you would give me as your child the precious gift of your Holy Spirit. I'm asking now, I believe I receive it, and I fully expect to speak with other tongues as your spirit gives me utterance. Heavenly Father, I purpose to be your destiny partner in the destiny of the next and future generations. I purpose to receive children on your behalf in the name of Jesus, like they were Jesus himself. Help me to see, to plan, to prepare, to partner, and to provide for those generations. Show me during our season of consecration what you want me to do to advance your cause for the next and future generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and clap. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated just briefly. I just want to talk briefly to those that are online. Thank you for watching with us today. This was a different kind of Christmas thing. It's different than anything that we have done before. 
here, but I believe that um, you are blessed. If you were blessed, would you consider sowing a seed into the word of God? Any, amen. Um, there's information there. It's available to you on how you can sow into um, the word that you heard today and be our destiny partner. We really appreciate uh, each and every person that does that. Whatever gift God moves on your heart to give, we believe we're doing a great work and that many people will be touched by the things we're doing. Would you consider being our destiny partner and helping us do that? We thank you. And we certainly pray and believe with you that you receive a harvest on your seed. All right. Just so you know, um, there's information there on how you can connect with us. And please help us be our destiny partners. Be our evangelists. Help other people experience the difference of destiny by liking, sharing, subscribing, and following us on the social media channels there that's on your screen. All right. I do want you to know that this Tuesday night, we will not be having empowerment service so the tuesday night service is canceled it will be canceled both this week and next week we're just going to allow some time during the week for you to enjoy family i know there are churches that will meet together on christmas and if the lord moves on you please do that we won't do it at destiny generation um, we will be back next sunday i'll finish this message on experiencing increase through faith next sunday so i want you here because you want to really hear the details on what i brought to you at the end of the message i also want you to know that the 31st monday night will be our watch night service there's information there it'll be um here at destiny generation church from 7 to 9 p.m please please come out and celebrate with us as we close out the year and then come into the new year this um december 31st 2018 from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. We'll have a crisp service, but we want to celebrate and we'll let you get home safely before all of the nuts and the flakes get out and start driving crazy and shooting and all that other stuff. All right. In Jesus name. All right. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our service. We're so glad that you're here. I'm asking you to take seriously the thing that God shared with you out of the word. Let me speak to you about the destiny of the next and future generations. All right. God bless you. See you next week. Hallelujah.